0: There we go, good. Well, it's glad to be back. Thanks for letting me come. I know you didn't have anything to do with it, but thank you. Always appreciate being here. The worship is, that light is blinding me again. There we go. The the worship's always uh, good to be uh, here worshiping the Lord together with you and to just see y'all worshiping the Lord is always encouraging to my soul as well. But as you're going through James, I don't know, uh, turn over to James chapter 2. Sean, how many lessons have you done in James so far? Three, so this is four. I don't know, as you've been reading through the book of James and and studying it together, hearing the word, you know, hearing it preached, James bothers me. Do you get that feeling? Partly because I'm reading it going, something's wrong here. I'm having a crisis as I read it because I'm recognizing something about it is not always gelling, it's not always meshing with my life. But let me tell you about another crisis I had recently. <clears throat> I had my boys, um, they're five and three, yeah, so we were at the ice cream shop and I'm, I'm feeding number three because he gets lazy, I'm feeding him his ice cream, Num- n- number two, he's three years old, and number one is kind of over here, he's always causing trouble, but I have this crisis because I'm feeding one, I'm kind of getting frustrated, and then out of the, in my ear I hear this. Baby, 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 all the like) It was my five-year-old son who has the Bieber fever, right? And I think what made it worse is that he turns to me and says, Daddy, it's okay. That's Justin Bieber. Now, thankfully, he knows that from the radio and from my wife's iPod. They have dance parties at the house when I'm gone, I understand. Because uh, he also knows Beyonce, Usher, and Rihanna in some form or fashion. So um, you, can, you, can, uh, you can question my parenting later. So uh, by all means, by all means. But let's put it in perspective. Let's put it in perspective. So he knows the words to Bieber. Um, he kind of has the hair. But he knows the, the lyrics. He, he, has the, he knows the music. But in his heart, he somewhat thankful, he has no concept really for who Justin Bieber is, right? I mean... He doesn't get the reality of the Bieber fever, okay? And in some ways, James is saying the same exact thing about Christians. They know that, I know that's a big stretch, but just bear with me. Uh, In the text, James is saying this, a lot of Christians, you claim to know the words, you know the music, but you have no understanding of who Jesus actually is in your heart. And that's what I struggle with with this book as I read it going, God, there's just something in my life that is challenged by reading this book. And I want to have the same passion for Jesus. So let's read beginning in verse 14 to see what this looks like, to, what James continues to, to teach us about true faith. All right, he says here, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And and essentially I say, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Strong words, but thus far this is God's word to us. All right, you recognize just in this short reading, and as you've studied the book of James, there is uh, a very strong connection in his language between faith and works, right? He kind of hits on this a lot. And we remember that we do not look to our works to save us. I know you're taught that here. That you don't walk around going, I did these things, therefore I understand that I'm saved. No, we say, I believe Jesus died on the cross. And because I believe that, I have faith in the one who, was, who worked out faith perfectly, in a sense. He was the epitome of that, of living a faithful life. I trust in that one. I'm justified and I'm saved. So James is not saying that. What, Je- what James is saying and what Jesus tells us is this is that we don't look to our faith to save us. We don't look to our works to save us. We look to the one who gives us faith. We look to Jesus to save us. But I I want to make this point tonight before we go forward. The one who gives us faith, so I'm saying Jesus gives faith, and the faith that Jesus gives is a working faith. It's an acting faith. He doesn't give a faith that doesn't work. See, the very nature of understanding the faith that the Bible talks about is one that has action with it. It is a working or an acting faith. We look at this because Jesus, if you look at all the interaction with Jesus and the Pharisees, it often begins with the language of, woe to you. And was it wasn't because they were doing nothing. No, it's because they were doing things, in a sense, but they weren't doing it in faith. They weren't doing it with the right heart. And James wants us to understand that a heart that is submissive to Jesus is one that acts. It's not one that simply pays lip service. Uh, Isaiah says, uh, These people draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Do not want to be that person. Jesus goes on to use the language of of having whitewashed tombs, but on the inside there's dry bones. There's, There's just bones rotting away. Or he uses the illustration of those that clean the outside of the cup, but pay no attention to the heart within. Those that say, Lord, Lord, Jesus says, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So there is a a clear expression of what Jesus says and what James says that say, if you have faith, it is an acting faith. It is one that does the will of the Father. Jesus makes this very clear. Now, you know people. It's always easier to say that, isn't it? I know someone. You know people, but the reality is you know your own heart. You understand in some ways, if you claim to be a believer, that there is an intellectual understanding of this. You can understand, you can articulate the things of, of Jesus. You know, he lived, he died on the cross, he was resurrected, and he lives in heaven above. We, we understand that intellectually. But we go on to say, we also know people that can articulate that. You know, they go to uh, Bible study or they go to church pseudo-regularly. They live decent lives which means that their, uh, their, their smaller sins outweigh the, the real bad ones, you know. It's kind of this idea. And, and the real bad ones aren't public yet. That's key. You hope not. But yet there's nothing distinctly Christian about them. You see, a lot of people can tell you a list of things they did wrong. A lot of people can say, I believe in something but it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus or not. If you, any club, any organization, any football team you claim to follow, if you claim to be a fan and do nothing about it, no one's going to believe that you are a believer. You see, there's a faith that works. And James has already gone on to talk about this, that the faith that works is one that controls the tongue. It's one that cares for the widows and the orphans in distress. And so we begin to say, is there anything in your life that requires self-sacrifice? Anything in your life that has a costly obedience to it? Is there any good in you that challenges your comfort level, challenges the grain of the culture at all? You see, some of you, um, some of you actually got the title. Do they have a sheet? On the sheet, you got the title that it's the, the title of a Lady, lady, lady Gaga song. Now, most of, obviously some of you got that, yes? I'm killing Ethan over here, Lady Gaga and Beaver so far. That's good you know you like it <laughs> if you saw the Grammy she came in on that egg and if you didn't see it you've heard about it to some degree right yes somebody, somebody give me a nod that you know what's going on here yes yes thank you it's very awkward but it's very intriguing at the same time yes but in the song she says don't hide yourself in regret just love yourself and your set I'm on the right track baby I was born this way Now I'm going to tell you, yes, yes, again. Again, I'm going to stretch this. If you are a believer in Jesus, you were born this way. You were born for something more than you live. Remember Nicodemus said, how can a man enter his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, you must be born again of the Spirit, right? And if we claim to be born of the Spirit, you were born this way. You were born with an active faith one that works, not simply one that pays lip service to the gospel and has no heart connection to it. So let's look at three ways James talks about this in our text. We'll get off Lady Gaga and go to James. How about that? I'll make you a deal. (laughs) Look at what he says here in, in verse 15. He's already said, "...can that faith save him, one that does nothing." And there's an implication of no, but he goes on to give us this example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself that does not have works is dead. You see, James says faith without deeds of compassion, faith without compassion So believers, to have an acting faith is a faith with compassion in your heart. And we have to flesh this out because he says faith without compassion is dead. He uses very strong language over and over again in this section to say faith without this or faith that does this is dead. It's no faith at all. And so we say faith without compassion is dead. And so we say to to us as believers, he's saying if you claim to have a compassionate heart, or you claim to have sympathy, and you have no action of sympathy, no action of compassion... Do you really have that heart? And I think James says, no, you have emotions, but you do not have compassion. I know anybody that can be moved by a starving child, a malnourished child, but it takes another level of understanding to do something about it. And James says, if you see your brother or your sister in need and you do nothing about it, that is no different than the person that walks right by and doesn't turn their head because they don't want to see it. You see, the difference is you saw it and all you said was, oh, bless you. What good is that to him or her? We walk by, look at him, and say, bless you. I see you're in need, but I don't have, what you're saying, I don't have time for you. I'm not willing to make the sacrifice for you. Let's go ahead and confess that that is our heart's natural bent is to do that and then walk away. And uh, there's no change in our lives. There's no faith increase. There's no transformation and there's no salvation in it. Because as one person said, there's no, uh, the only way for some people to see the gospel is through a piece of bread. And the way for you to understand the gospel deeper is to give that piece of bread. Because remember Jesus says to the Pharisees again, You do, you tithe, mint, dill, cumin, you do these good things, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness or righteousness. You see, believers, it it is our natural sinful bent to want to do good things and yet neglect the hard sacrificial aspects of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And James brings us back to this to say, why why do you claim to do that and to see that and do nothing about it? Is that a faith of the Bible? Then notice what he goes on to say. In 18 here, you have a faith with compassion, but you have a faith that's different than the demons there. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show it to me apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Here it is. You believe God is one? You, that's, that's good. That's cool. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Think of it this way. The demons believe and they shudder. A faith that does no more than the demons is dead. How does your faith differ than the, of the demons? I mean, it's a serious question. What does your faith look like? How is it different than the demons? You see, because we have a God, a Savior, a Lord Jesus, who came into this world. Took, he, he took off His throne in heaven to come here, to come into a broken world with sinners, to have His hands and His feet pierced, His body torn apart, to lay in a tomb for millions and millions of people to say on their deathbed, I signed a decision card when I was 12. The demons did that. How does our faith differ than the demons? And I realize that 90% of you have signed a card in the past. You didn't do anything wrong. But I'm saying if that's all you're pointing back to, to prove that you're a Christian, I want you to wrestle with the faith of that to this evening. James is saying even the, the demons have signed a card saying they believe God is one and they shudder. How does our faith differ from that? faith that differs from the demons of faith with compassion but look at a faith as example here in Abraham was not Abraham our father justified by his works so you have Abraham offering up Isaac his faith was active with his works and the scripture was fulfilled when it said Abraham believed God it was counted to him as righteousness he was called a friend of God and then he goes on to see the example of Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers, sent them out by another way and we go on to say, okay, I look at Abraham, I look at Rahab, what's the connection here? Both of them claimed to have faith, but th- it wasn't so much that the action itself made them right before God. It was the faith that believed that God made them right and they acted upon it. It somewhat authenticated, it stamped, it, it showed them to be true believers of Christ. Remember he says here, I have faith that shows you works. Abraham and Rahab were both willing to sacrifice something they had to gain something greater. And James is saying, faith will require something of you, but what you receive will be infinitely greater than what you gave up. Because he concludes with this, or as James, James concludes with this, faith without deeds is dead. All of us, are, to some degree, are, y- are young in this room, and I don't know if you've been to a funeral yet, but if you've been to any number of them, you've gone to one where most of the time is spent. We, we use the language of preaching someone into heaven. Have you heard this term at all? I mean, the whole time is spent saying they did this, they did that. They were, they were baptized 80 years ago. And, and you walk away and everybody's walking away going, that guy was a creep. And it's kind of funny at the time, but it's not meant to be funny. It's tragic. My, my secretary had a relative pass and she brought me the brochure and I read it and you know it had this he did this he was active in his church this that and the other and she said you know what's funny about that I said what she goes that church went out of business 30 years ago he was clinging to the hope that he was active they were clinging to the hope that he was an active member of church 30 years ago is that a faith that we want written about us when we die (coughs) and I know you're not thinking about that per se right now but and, and I don't want you walking away going I don't want to die, I don't want to die, but what are they going to say about us? I don't want them to say, he, he was a minister, but he paid lip service to the gospel and his heart was far from God. That is not what I want said about me, and I know, I know it's not said, what you want said about you. But we have to understand, what, what James is saying And I use that funeral illustration to say this. What if you stood in front of a tombstone or a gravesite and you started preaching because you saw pretty flowers on it. You said, there's life there. I'm preaching there, right? I'm going to say, I'm preaching to this thing and it looks pretty because someone put new flowers on it, but the reality is the flowers look beautiful, but the person inside is dead. You may do a lot of good things and people may really appreciate you, but you may be just like the Pharisee and you may be dead inside. James calls us to a faith that confesses the name of Jesus. Uh, If we believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. It is a faith that believes that, confesses, believes, and acts. You often have heard the 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 statement about Do you believe Jesus is Savior, but do you believe Him as Lord? Uh, And again, I'm not trying to rain on a parade at all, but... You, you, it doesn't make sense. You can't believe Jesus as Jesus is Savior and not as Lord. You can't say He's my Lord and not my Savior. He is who He says He is and that is Savior and Lord. You see, we like to make the distinction because it allows us to feel good about confessing without acting upon it. You see, this is always the distinction we make. We say, I believe Jesus is Savior but I'm working on the Lord part. No! Have you committed your life to Christ? This is why people always have struggled with this. It's because we can, we can live in our cocoon of confession and, and, and have nothing to do with Jesus outside of that. We live in the bubble. Jesus is Savior and He's Lord. Believe in Him because the faith that He gives is an active faith. And I do want to close, but I want, I want to make sure that we understand what we're saying here. I do not want you to walk away and just start doing things for the sake of doing them. What I want you to do is come to Jesus again and see the compassion that he's had for you and you go out and see that compassion. Because you may move to Africa, but I'm not asking you to move to Africa. I'm asking you to see the lonely person over there and go put your arm around them and love them, believer or non-believer. I'm asking you to see someone in need and not turn away because you say, you know what, I've only got $12 in my account. You know what? I'm sure you can find a dollar taco somewhere. The one we like to say is the homeless people, if I give them $3, they're going to buy a beer with it. What are you going to buy with it? Something to feed yourself. I'm not saying don't be wise. And I'm not saying don't look to your actions in some ways to show your faith. But what I am saying is we're not justified by faith, but a justified faith has action with it. Let's come to the Jesus again who calls us to that, who has had compassion on us, who, who, who is walking alongside us. And you may say, I'm really struggling with that and I do want to leave you with this. The Jesus that calls us to this is the same Jesus that says, I ever live to make intercession for you. I'm praying for you. I have sent you my spirit to empower you in this regard and I promise you this. If you pray for the spirit to reveal these things in your heart and to lead you to where you can act out your faith, I promise you He will. I can't promise you it'll be easy, but the crossroads will come and you will say, I will act in faith, or I will yet again use my lip service to the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, these are hard things, and I feel in many ways like a hypocrite for even saying them because I recognize the tension in my own heart. So I I say with all of us in here, uh, that we that confess your name that, that we would recognize this again Lord we need to see your love to us your compassion to us and yet the way that you acted on our behalf and the way that you, you preached you, and you came down and you healed you bound up you lifted up and you pray that you do that for us and that we would go as your messengers into this world pray in your powerful name Lord Jesus Amen